Hey, we're going right into week number two of a series that we have called, As in Heaven, Prayer That Changes My World. Prayer That Changes My World. And uh, I want to just begin with a story, I should one other time, but uh, going back uh, just a few years ago when our son David had graduated from high school and he used his money that he got from high school graduation to buy a car. That car was a 1994 Lexus, okay? How many know that's an old car, right? But it looked cool on the outside, and uh, it ran for a little while, and then it didn't run so well. And, uh, and along the way, uh, David tried to fix it. Um, he brought it to friends that he thought could fix it. We took it to shops. He brought them to shops, and we let David handle his car things on his own. And then, uh, because he wanted his own level of independence, then it wouldn't start, and he was having issues, and it would be, we'd have to go pick him up from different places. How many have ever had to go to pick up somebody that their car broke down? Well, that became a regular kind of thing, and we were like, what are we going to do? And one day, it didn't start after church. So he came to church service, he was, the car was outside, and uh, that afternoon, I happened to be working on my dissertation in my office on Sunday afternoon. And so I went into my office and he was outside and he called somebody in our church that um, was good, had worked in a, a professional place to repair automobiles. And uh, he thought he'd finally get some help. And this guy came and he helped. He had all of his extra equipment. And they couldn't figure it out. Two and a half hours in, I look out and they're still out there and I can just see David with his hands on his head going, oh, and how many know cars can test your salvation sometimes? And so, and so he's out there and uh, finally I decide to go out, meet David. And as I get out of the parking lot, they fill me in, they've tried everything. They, they think maybe like actually there's an electrical short in one of the door locks that somehow is, is messing things up and they can't figure it out. They've tried and tried and tried to start the car, can't get it going. And so finally, I'm like, I am the worst mechanic in the world. I just don't ask me to fix your car because I can't. I can send you to the right places, but that's not me. So I don't know what to do. And I just see the frustration on my son and then this guy that's, you know, given two and a half hours of his Sunday afternoon to help us out. And uh, so I go behind, they're, they're in the front seat, they're trying to start, nothing's working, the door is dismantled, they're trying to deal with that. And they had, I said, try to start it, they didn't, it wouldn't start. So then I went under the hood, if you will, the hood's up in the air, and I laid my hands on the engine. And I literally began to pray, I'm like, Lord, I've prayed for a lot of things in life. And you care about the things. I don't know if you care about cars or not, but Lord, I'm just asking you for your miracle working power right now. And I just, I prayed and I said, David, try to start it one more time. He's like, come on, dad, we just tried. I said, would you just try one more time? He said, okay. So then I began to pray in tongues and pray in the spirit. I was like, Lord, you just begin to pray in the spirit. I'm like, Lord, help, help this happen. He turns it and the car started. Okay. I was wanting to catch. And it ran for another couple of years. And here's the thing. We call that car Lazarus to this day. It's such an amazing moment. And I share that story for you because I want you to know, as we talk about prayer in this series, we're not just talking about spiritual Sunday morning in church service prayers, but God cares about ordinary life outside the church building. He cares about your life 
He cares about it when the bills come. He cares about it when things aren't going right. And he wants to hear your voice talk to him. Can I get an amen to that? And as Jesus is, is asked by his disciples, we talked about this and began the series last week. If you haven't heard it yet, feel free to go on our podcast or on our app, Emmanuel MN app. Um, you can find all of our messages on there. But we started into this request that the disciples had of Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And his response we read through in Matthew chapter six was this. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And last week we talked about how there are principles behind Jesus' prayer. This isn't just a magic potion that you say the exact words and somehow it unlocks doors, but he's given us principles underneath that. We talked about those being algorithms. Principles that the prayer will run by. And the first algorithm was the person. He says, our father, you're praying to a person. You're not praying to AI, artificial intelligence. You're not praying to some empty, uh, endless sky. You're praying to a person, our father. The second thing was the power. It says in heaven, our father in heaven. That means he's in the control room. Heaven isn't just a place where they play the harps. Heaven is the place that controls everything else in the spirit and in the natural. And the third algorithm was the algorithm of praise. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, I use the word hallowed in here because it comes from the NIV. And I use the NIV in this particular series because the majority of people have memorized language similar to the NIV. The NLT is a little bit different. But the idea is that honored or praised be your name. That when you're praying that you pause and recognize who it is that you're praying to. And today we're going to go into the next part of his prayer and the next algorithms, if you will. And the title of my message is this, Download, Download. In 33 years of ministry, watching trends and the success and the failures of friends, family, and even in my own life, there's a fundamental reality that regardless of personality or family background or whatever your career is, that the people who are thriving in the center of God's mission for their life are the individuals who stay close to the voice of God at every stage and every phase of their life. They lean in and they stay connected, not just receive it at that first moment of salvation, but they lean in and connect to God. And if they didn't figure out how to stay connected, how to get constant downloads, then they're open to spiritual attack. Their faith can break down They lose track of his voice. But the kingdom of God is always active and always being updated. Downloading is the transmission of a file or data from one computer to another over a network, usually from a larger server to a user device. Like your phone gives updates, you download pictures, if you will, or download software, and it comes out of the cloud and it comes down to you. And the cell phone can receive, how many have cell phones? Let me see your cell phones. Raise them in the air like you just don't care. There you go. (laughs) The cell phone itself receives an update so that it works when other signals are sent. Computers receive vital updates for virus protection and performance. 
And you need to know that the kingdom of God is portable. It's on wheels and accessible to be downloaded from the cloud, if you will. The apostle Paul would challenge the church in the New Testament in his letters to stay plugged into God's kingdom because the world, which is referring to the systems of the world, the culture, the Roman empire, were constantly tugging on people to go in a different direction. He said these things to the church in Colossians. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. In Romans, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Listen, if we stop downloading now, we're in trouble. We're vulnerable to spiritual attack, to viruses the enemy is coming at us with. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, be strong in your faith. So let me go right in to the next algorithm in Jesus' prayer. He says, number four, it would be possess. He says, your kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom, first, you need to think that Jesus preached about and talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven frequently. It was his number one preaching point. And he essentially would say, in fact, it says this in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for what? The kingdom of heaven is what? It's near. It's close by. So he's talking about a different type of kingdom. That kingdom used words like reign, authority, rule, you'll see in the scriptures. But it was not about an actual territory or a political authority or a, even a system. God's kingdom does not have those kind of borders. God's kingdom is eternal and it's limitless. There are no limits to Jesus' authority. And then Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree and the birds make nests in its branches. This is an interesting imagery, a metaphor that Jesus uses. And he teaches that the kingdom of God comes and it works from the small and then it grows. He talks about it like a mustard seed. It's small, but then it will grow into a tree. And Jesus essentially is saying, when you get the first download, it comes in and it feels like it's small. But it, with each download, as the kingdom keeps coming, it begins to grow in you like you would see a tree grow. And that tree eventually, once it's grown, it has branches and Jesus even says that birds will come and rest on the tree. The progression of the kingdom of God's growth in your life should look something like when you first get in, you're thankful for what he's done for you. You're thankful that he saved you and the kingdom download comes in and you're in the family. 
But then as it grows inside of you, you discover it's not about you, but that you're meant to support and, and believe in and care for the world that is around you. Can I get an amen to that? In other words, you don't stay a baby. You don't stay a seed. You grow up. Everybody say grow up. So when the kingdom of God comes, you become more and more mature. You develop a capacity to think like Jesus thinks. You think like he thinks. You do the things that he would do. And it's different than the kingdom of the world that is around you. I love the fact that it, Jesus says that we're to pursue his kingdom in high priority or first. In Matthew 6, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom, it says in other versions. Go after it like it's a treasure. Don't let it just be out there, but access it. I love what uh, Dr. Anderson, my mentor, who was the former president of North Central University, used to say that Jesus would preach the gospel in such a way as only the hungry would get it. You know, you can come and you can hope that I like, I do a good river dance in front of you and get your attention. But I'll tell you this, all I got to do is preach the word. And if you're hungry, you're going to get it. And when it comes to prayer, if you're seeking the kingdom, you're going to get the kingdom. You're going after what he has for you. Ultimately, the kingdom is the king's domain. It's wherever he rules. Anywhere he goes is his. Scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. No borders, no limits, no obstacles. God's kingdom exists on every corner of the planet. Anywhere you go, God's kingdom reigns. And that is an important value for you to consider when you think about when you're praying. Jesus' kingdom will come even when you're underneath other kingdoms, other systems. And how many know we live in a lot of systems and it's gotten pretty dark. Even in Minnesota, they're calling evil good and good evil. But now listen, even though we're underneath that kind of umbrella in the culture that we're in, God's kingdom is bigger and stronger even when you feel like you're underneath a different kingdom. I love what happens in Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas. They were thrown into prison in a dungeon because they had delivered a possessed slave girl who made money for her masters. And it says there in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. There, here they are, unjustly thrown into prison because they set a girl free. How many know there's injustice in the world? Here they are. They're in chains. They're in a dungeon. This is not, this is not like a deluxe version of, of dungeons. I've done studies where I've seen what the, the Roman prisons were like. This was not a place where they had heating and air conditioning. They were in a dungeon. And while they're in the dungeon, what are they going to do? They are going to seek first the kingdom by singing hymns. And they began to sing to the Lord. 
Now, I don't know if the chains were clapping together. I don't know if they got a little rhythm to it. But all I do know is that the more they sang, the praises went up, the glory of God came into that prison. And did you know that that's the same thing that happens to you no matter where you are? That when you talk to God and you begin to acknowledge who he is and you ask for his kingdom, something powerful can begin to happen in the place where you are. Something powerful comes. God's kingdom comes in. And in this case, the kingdom rattled the cages and set them free. And you can be set free from the circumstances that you are in, or you can also be set free from the anxiety of what will happen next. And God's peace can fill your soul. I've been in hospital rooms where people are on their deathbed, and we began to pray, and we felt a peace that passed understanding in there. I've been in both situations where the person recovered and they were healed. And I've been in another situations where they went to be with Jesus. In both circumstances, God's presence was in the room and believers were strong because another kingdom was in that hospital room. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? The kingdom of God comes in and it will arrive anywhere. It's on wheels. The most important part of this particular algorithm is that word come. Everybody say come. Jesus says to make sure that you invite the kingdom to send an invitation. Notify heaven that you are making a request. God's kingdom requires an invitation. Are you calling upon the kingdom in your home with your kids? Are you inviting the kingdom in? Listen, it doesn't have to be formulaic. It doesn't have to be like a church service. It's just as simple as you saying, God, come. Let your kingdom come. Say that with me. Let your kingdom come. I love that. And then he says, let your will be done. The fifth algorithm is purpose. Why am I going through what I'm going through? What's about to happen next? Your will be done. This is praying the promises and the purposes of God. And it requires maturity in prayer. It's not a tool for manipulation or your own agenda. It's separating myself from my opinion. Listen, prayer is surrender to the will of God in cooperation with his will. E. Stanley Jones says, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat and catch the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? God says, what do you want? Our response is whatever you want me to have, whatever you want me to live. You know what I can handle. How many know he knows more than us? And praying your will be done keeps me owned by God and not by others. This is the model of Jesus when he was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? The night he was betrayed and before he was to be murdered on a cross. And he goes to pray. And it says in Matthew chapter 26, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, 
if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, this is the ultimate in maturity. You see, Jesus came to the earth with one mission. His mission was actually to die on the cross for your sin and mine. He knew it growing up. He had walked through all of the miracles and he would tell his disciples, there's a day coming where the son of man is going to die. He knew it was coming. Now we reached the night before and Jesus was fully human and fully God. He knew what he had to do, but he also had feelings. Anybody here ever get caught up in your feelings? How many of your feelings tell you something different than the truth sometimes? And in his feelings, he was like, maybe I just don't want to go through that. His soul was grieved even to the point of death. He was sweating. He was not excited about what was next. And in that moment, he tells the father, I don't want it. In fact, Lord, can you take it away from me? But if you don't, not what I'm feeling but your will be done. There has to be that point in our prayer that Jesus is teaching us in this algorithm where we, we yield to his better way. Where we say, Lord, I want this, but I'm yielding to your way. I give in to what you want to do. And in maturity in prayer, this is moving beyond being a toddler in your relationship with the Father. Little kids come to grow up. At first, we're feeding them. Then we want them to feed themselves. Then we want them to clean up after themselves. And then we want them to cook for themselves. Then we want them to work for the food. Come on, somebody. You see the progression? In your own prayer life, there is a developmental process where you begin to say while you're praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done where you say, I know what I want, but yours be done. How many know his way is better? He sees around the quarter. He knows what's best for us. One more thought on this, your will be done as Thinking about the legal document, a will, a physical will. You go to an attorney. How many have ever gotten a will? Let me see your hands. You've done a will? If you haven't yet, I encourage you to do it, especially parents. It's not that expensive. I encourage you to do it if something were ever to happen to you. A legal document, a will, determines who gets what when you're gone. How the assets are divided up. How the kids, who, who takes care of the kids, that kind of thing. And when you think in terms of your will be done, the question might be, how is the kingdom divided up according to the will, your will, your honor? <laughs> give him what is his and give me what is mine. I'm not worried about what somebody else gets. I want what you got for me. I want his will. Now, listen, we don't get to vote on his will and nobody can stop what's written in his will. But this is the will. I mean, honestly, this is the written covenant between God and people. 
Literally, what he's doing is he's saying what is there. And if you read the Bible, you'll discover there are a lot of promises for his kids that Jesus, on his death, purchased for us. Healing is in the will. Victory is in the will. Joy is in the will. Peace is in the will. And if it's in the will, you better go get it. Don't let it go unclaimed. If prayer isn't uttered, it's not going to get answered. Jesus' algorithms of prayer, the first was person. Second was power, praise. Possess, your kingdom come. The fifth was purpose, your will be done. The sixth is palace. He says, on earth as it is in heaven. He lives in his palace in heaven. But how many want his palace to be on earth? Where does your answer prayer get delivered? Anybody here ever had ordered something online and it got delivered to the wrong place? And you're like, I don't know what it is, but when we order things for some reason or another, items that get delivered through FedEx end up at a neighbor's house a couple blocks away. And so we'll be waiting on something and it isn't there. And Jody and I are like, well, we better go over and see if it's at the other person's house. And so we get over there and sure enough, it might be out on the, uh, outside their door and we're kind of sneaking up their sidewalk and looking at the package. Yep. It says my name on it. I'm going to take it. There's a little ring right there. So I get a little bit nervous. Like, am I going to be on some kind of news show later on and I'm stealing stuff? <laughs> here's, here's the thought on this. On earth as it is in heaven. May what's up there get delivered to your doorstep. Not just to somewhere else on the planet, although we pray for missionaries and people around the world. But the things we're asking for are not meant to be distant, but brought right here. You want it delivered to the right place. He says, on earth as it is in heaven, there's a contrast between heaven and earth. They're not the same. Minnesota is not heaven. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus teaches us to pray for his kingdom, his will to be brought to my world, to the places around me. This week, uh, we had a birthday party at our house and Tim and Shai, his wife, put on the party. And uh, while we were getting ready and everything was put together, got the candles in for the blowing the candles over. We didn't have the lighter. And you see there, she's got a little lighter in her hand. And, and Jody was looking for it. And she didn't know where it was. And so Jody's a little bit shorter than I am. So I can see things in a different way. Well, sure enough, it was up on a shelf outside of her line of sight and further than her, her grasp. So she said, can you get it down for me? So I'm the guy. I reach up there show off I'm taller, <laughs> grab the lighter and bring it down. Here's the thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is saying, I recognize it's there. I want it off the shelf and I want it here. It's out of reach, but I want it here. I know the truth is there, but I want the truth in here. I want to experience it in my family. I want to experience it in the life. I want that to happen in my story. 
Listen, we can have prayer that notices the contrast between heaven and earth, between what we see and what God promises. But praying like Jesus prays is taking our thoughts and talking to him about them. Listen, I, I have had, uh, as a leader, as a Christian leader, as, as somebody watching our society, I've noticed that there are so many wickedness reigning in our, our culture. The things that are targeting kids in the next generation right now are absolute evil. And parents feel like they don't even have control over leading their own home anymore. And I'm watching some of the laws that were passed this very week that our governor is proudly talking about. And some of them, honestly, I disagree with. But I have a choice at this moment about what I'm going to do because what I see is not heaven's will on earth. So do I get on social media and post about how bad everything is? Do I get angry, ticked off at the things I don't like? Sometimes I feel that way. No, what I need to do is I need to say, Lord, what I see is not what your will is. So I want your kingdom to come on earth. And instead of judgment, because people are making decisions, culture and laws are moving away from scriptural values, those things are happening, and it's real. But our response as a church cannot be anger towards those same people. We need to be a church that says, God, show your mercy. Lord, send your grace. Open up the eyes of the blind. They've been blinded by the God of the age. We need a movement of compassion. Listen, if God moves in our hearts and we take our concerns to the Lord, we're asking the Lord to move not only in our own life, but in the minds and the hearts of people who are away from Jesus. We're saying, let your kingdom come. I love what Sean Smith, an evangelist that was at an event I was at this week, said. He said, a demon-possessed culture needs a church that can cast out demons. In other words, we need God to move through our prayers, not just wait for it to happen somewhere else. It's praying this. Let your kingdom, your dominion, your rule, your reign come into my heart, into my life, into my marriage, into my decisions, into my values. Let your will be done, not mine. I want heaven's values in my life, not the values of this current fallen and broken world. It's looking at the world around us and specifically praying, Lord, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my family, let your kingdom come down. Let the, 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 the values of heaven reach my kids. They're in a battle. There's a whole bunch of battles going on all around them. But let your kingdom come. I set it up. Lord, I don't want a distant. I want your palace on earth in their bedroom, in my house. I want your kingdom to come down on earth. I want your kingdom to come in my career, with my finances. I want your kingdom to come. I want success and I want the bills paid. I want, I want to be able to work through the values that, and the, the challenges of my day. And by the way, when we pray and say, God, I want your kingdom to come with finances. <laughs> we need to be in alignment with what the kingdom's values and rule and domain are. We need to be able to say, not my will on this purchase, but your will be done. 
We need to be able to say, Lord, I, I know what I want to do, but how many know when we do what we want to do, we get ourselves in trouble? Sometimes we might have to cut the credit card up and not just get everything we want. We might need to get a budget. Come on, somebody. Get our, our home in order so that when we call upon the kingdom, we actually have the kingdom operating in our lives. We want his kingdom to come in our community, in our state, in our nation. Friends, we need a download. We need his download now. Your family needs a download. Your mind needs a download from heaven. It needs to not just be up there. It needs to not just be in here only. It needs to come into our lives. And Jesus said, pray this way. You got to pray this way. Why don't you stand with me today in each of our locations? And as you stand, we're going to we're going to pray that prayer or speak that prayer that Jesus said. And I want you to read out loud right with me. He said this. You ready? Here we go. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Today, we're going to do just as we set it up last week. I'm going to encourage you to practice prayer. The way you learn to pray is by praying. Not just getting a lesson from the instructor, but now it's your turn to pray. To pray for God's kingdom to come in your life, in your marriage, in your family. The challenges that you face, perhaps in your business, in the community you're in, the school. And simply just say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray for it. And uh, we're going to sing. But while we're singing, I encourage you, you don't have to just sing the words on the screen. You can begin to just pray whatever God has put in your heart. You might want to leave where you're standing and come to the front of each of our locations. You might want to get out in the aisle, and find a spot where you kneel down and pray. And you just say, God, I, I'm coming before you. You humble yourself. Whatever it is, your action step of prayer, I just encourage you to do that. And of course, with each week after we're done with our services, there'll also be an opportunity for you to come up after we've done the final prayer of blessing. If you want to stick around and you want to come up and kneel down and, and pray and just spend some extra time talking to God, we're calling it overtime prayer. They used to call it in the old days, altar time. We're just calling it overtime prayer. And beyond the scope of a service, you might want to say, I want to spend extra time with Jesus. And I encourage you to do that very thing. All right. We're going to pray together. Uh, I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. When I say amen, we're going to worship, but then you can move. I'm going to give you permission to move around. And then uh, our, our pastors at each location will come up at the end and give us our next step. Would you just lift your hands to heaven with me right now? Father, we come before you. And Lord, we recognize right now that we need a download. We need your kingdom. Because the stuff we see around us sometimes just weighs us down and it seems so overwhelming. When we rely on our own strength, we're, we're lost and empty. And sometimes we don't even have the, the fruit of the spirit of the love, Lord, to give to our family members or the people around us. So God, we need a fresh update from you. We pray, oh God, you know exactly where we are. All our history up to this moment, you know what we need. And we say, 
let your will be done. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, that, Lord, you know, the, the will of God, the things of God, the promises of God would not just be on the top shelf, but, Lord, that you would bring them down to us, that we'd experience and know the true kingdom of God. We are waiting on you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.